Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us today here in the house of faith. There's always a place for you in God's family. That's the household of faith. I'm coming to you again right now from the sanctuary of Legacy Church here in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. As you can tell, there's a lot of work that's still going on. The good news is we're actually coming to a place in the construction process where the big construction's just about done. In just the next few days and weeks, we're gonna get in here and begin the finish out of this, of this place and it will be beautiful. Partners, I want you to take a look around at what God is doing and He's doing it through you. He's doing it through your faith. He's doing it through your partnership and we give God all the praise for it, but we thank Him every day for you. You are such a blessing to this ministry and we are so grateful that He proves His faithfulness through faithful people. If you wanna be a part of this project, uh, there's still time. You can still get involved with us in this. It's a 30,000 square foot building and we are in faith together for $100 a square foot. And what we believe that will enable us to do is get everything done inside the building and all the required work outside the building, get us in shape and ready to open this place up to people from this community and, that, and those that the Lord would bring in from other places, which may be you, so be open to that as well. But we're excited about the good things that are ahead. If you want to be a part of this project, a number of ways you can get involved. Um, you can, if you're watching inside the United States, text your offering. Uh, you can text just LTV and any dollar amount to the number 28950. And again, that's for those of you watching inside the United States. That will go right into this Buy Up and Build Out project. You can also visit us online, whether inside the United States or out at uh, pearsonsministries.com. Our giving page is there. All the instructions and information that you need will be right there. You'll have options. You can give to the project. You can give to the general operations of the ministry, whatever the Lord leads you to do. You do that and you'll be blessed. I know you will. If you'd like to write a check or, or send an offering in the mail, you can do that as well. Use the address that you see right now on your screen. But whatever you do, do it in faith. And we're not pushing, we're not pressing, we're not pulling on anybody. This is between you and Jesus. And if you've got an assignment with us in this, then go for it and do it in faith, believing that every seed reproduces after its own kind. Today, we're gonna get right back into the word. You know, it's like I've told you before, this building is not the only thing under construction. You are, I am. We've gotta let the word of God go to work in our hearts and in our minds, because if we can change the way we think, we can transform our lives. Let's go right back into this series that we've been in together, Renovation and Transformation. Go with me back to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, please. Matthew chapter 16, and I want to begin down around verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So these were in the days before one could Google one's self and find out what everybody was saying, find out what the popular opinions were. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am. What, what are people saying? Huh? What, what are, what's the general consensus of the people about who I am? It's a good question. 
In verse 14, so they said, well, you know, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. He said others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So kind of a lot of different opinions out there floating around about who Jesus is. It's not unlike today. Uh, You might find a lot of people, uh, you ask, hey, who do you say Jesus was? Who do you say, uh, what's your opinion of him? And you might get a bunch of different answers. Well, he's a good teacher. He might've been a prophet, a holy man. But Jesus, after his disciples answered the question, who do men say that I am? He asked them a far more important question. Actually, it is the most important question that anybody could be asked and that anyone could answer in this life. Jesus asked them and said, in verse 15, but who do you say that I am? See, this question far outweighs the question of who do other people say that Jesus is? It's who do you say that he is? See, your eternity hangs in the balance of how you answer that question, who you say that Jesus is. The answer to that question is life or death. Who do you say that Jesus is? In verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus asked, okay, that's who men say. Who do you say? That's what everybody else says about me. I want to know what you say about me. And Peter's like, oh, 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 pick me. I know I, I got this one. Pick me, Jesus. Pick me, Jesus. And Jesus said, yes, I see that hand. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You notice how all the other opinions, well, they were, well, you know, he might be one of the prophets. But Peter's answer was, he's not one of anything. He is the, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. See, there was a blessing. There is a blessing attached to knowing the right answer to that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? And if you get the answer right, there's a blessing attached to it. The right answer is exactly what Peter said. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turned right around and said, yeah, and you're blessed. You are blessed. Somebody say it out loud, I'm blessed. Say it again, I'm blessed. Why? Because I know who Jesus is because I know who Jesus is, there's a blessing. There is the blessing. But I like what he said to him in verse 18. Well, well, back up just a minute. Let's talk more about verse 17. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Why? Why was Peter blessed? Because Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. In other words, you didn't get this from somebody else. You know, honestly, that's what tradition is. It's, if you define it, it's one thing handed from one generation to another, to another, to another. That's tradition. And honestly, that's why there's no power in it. But there is power in revelation. 
There is power in you getting something not from somebody else, not because it was handed down to you, but because you heard it from the Father in heaven. That's revelation. That's God turning on the light for you. That's God ripping the cover off and you seeing Jesus for who he is. And it's not something somebody else handed to you. It's something you got directly from God. That's revelation. And there's life changing power in that. And Jesus said to Peter in verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't this awesome? See, in this moment, Jesus was able to reveal to Peter what his identity was, but that couldn't come until Peter knew what Jesus' identity was. See, you'll never find out who you are until you know who he is. Your whole identity is wrapped up in a revelation of who Jesus is. You'll never know. Jesus can never reveal to you who you are, his plan for your life, the call, the anointing, the grace of God that's on your life until you are willing to build your life on the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is. And who is he? He is the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told Peter, I'm going to build my church on that revelation right there. The church isn't built on Peter. The name Peter itself, it literally means a small or a fragmented rock. But what Jesus was saying is you are a piece of the big rock. And what is that rock? The revelation of who Jesus is. Glory to God, Peter got that straight from God. And he said to him in verse 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He starts talking to them about the authority that they have as the result of living with this revelation of who Jesus is. It says in verse 20, he commanded his disciples that, that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now look at verse 21. From the time that Jesus or excuse me, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. See, all of this is important. It says from that time, what time? From the moment they got revelation about who he was. From there, he could begin to unfold to them the future. Here's what's coming. Here's what's going to happen. And, you know, you and I have the luxury of 2,000 years of understanding, looking back on it, what happened, why it happened. But these guys are hearing it from the first time. For the first time, Jesus is telling them, here's what's going to have to happen. I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to have to suffer these things at the hands of the rulers and the elders and the priests and the scribes. I'm going to be killed and raised again the third day. I, I can only imagine what this did to the thinking and the mindset of the disciples. Well, you can see what happened. Verse 22, notice what happened. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Get the picture here. Peter, Peter, who just a few verses ago 
I mean, he's still high on the fact that he got this revelation straight from God that Jesus publicly in front of all the other guys called him blessed and told him that, that the revelation that he got was what he was going to build the whole church on. So evidently that did a lot for Peter's boldness and confidence because when Jesus starts talking about everything that's going to be happening to him and how he'll be killed by these religious leaders, Peter, Peter looks at him and says, Jesus, step into my office. Can I talk to you for just a minute here? He pulls Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him. Now what's happening here is Peter is assuming a place of authority that has not been given to him. That's pride. That's what pride does. Pride assumes that it has a higher place than what it actually does. Peter has not been given any kind of place to rebuke the master, to rebuke and correct Jesus, to tell Jesus, uh, <clears throat> you're wrong. He's taken a place that isn't his. But here's what's powerful. What Peter said to him is, far be it from you, Lord. And this is coming as a rebuke. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. This will not happen to you, he said. But I want you to notice Jesus' response. Verse 23 says, He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan! Whoa! Whoa! Get behind me, Satan? Look at your neighbor, whoever you're sitting there with, and say, That escalated quickly. Yeah, it did. Peter just pulled Jesus aside and maybe with a good heart, I don't know. He's rebuking and correcting Jesus. But Jesus' response to this, he just took it to the extreme and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, when the scripture says he turned and said to him, you look that up and it literally means to turn the back. Jesus literally turned his back toward Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now we've heard this before. We, we, we know poor Peter had to endure this very intense correction. And I, I'm not quite sure what he was thinking in that moment. Jesus, Jesus, don't call me the devil, man. I'm just trying to tell you, I don't want you to die. And, but Jesus had to respond in this way. How many of you know Jesus is not an overreactor? This is not an overreaction. He is not an emotionally driven person. And if you read through the rest of this chapter and on through the rest of the book of Matthew, you will never find where Jesus came back to Peter and said, man, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what got into me. I overreacted. I, I shouldn't have called you the devil. That was wrong. There's no apology. Why? Because Jesus is not an overreactor. In other words, this is the right response. Get behind me, Satan. And we've heard this talked about before, but if you go on, keep reading here in this very same verse, you find out why Jesus responded on the level and in the way he did. He said, you are an offense to me. Other translations say you're a snare, you're a trap, you're a danger to me. But notice why. For you are not 
mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So here's Peter who just, I don't know, a few hours or a few days ago, got this awesome revelation of who Jesus was and is, and he got it straight from God. And it was like God was speaking, not just to him, but through him. And here just a little while later, now you see that he is completely yielded to the devil. And I'm not saying he was full of a devil or anything like that, but I'm saying it's possible. If you get lifted up in pride, if you start getting a big head about, ooh, God said this to me and God said that to me, and you get over into the way of thinking that every thought you have comes from God, that's not how, just because you thought it doesn't mean God said it. Let me say it to you like that. And Peter experienced something pretty intense here with Jesus. But again, it was not an overreaction. This is the right response. He said, you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Here you see Jesus talking to Peter and to us about the difference between being carnally minded or spiritually minded. Again, I told you these things, we have far underestimated the significance of what we think about. It's the difference between life or death. It's the difference between yielding to the Spirit of God or yielding to the devil himself. Now listen, I am not one of those guys who, who likes to give the devil any more attention than is necessary. I'm not one of those guys who sees a devil under every rock. I'm not one of those guys who's always casting something out of this or casting a demon out of that person just because they sneezed. That's not me. That's not how I do things. And that's, I don't believe how Jesus was. But again, this is the right response. Evidently, Satan is actually making a play here and Jesus is calling him on it. Now you remember in the book of Luke chapter four, after Jesus had come up out of the waters of baptism, he went into the wilderness and he was there 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by Satan. And in response to every temptation, you remember what Jesus said? It is written, it is written, it is written. He responded to every temptation with the word of God. And the scripture says that Satan left him for a more opportune time. So Satan left him from that point, but he was always looking for another opportunity to tempt Jesus. And what we're seeing in scripture is another one of those opportunities. Because when Peter said to Jesus, far be it from you, Lord, these things will not happen to you. You look this up in some of the original language and really what Peter was saying was, Jesus, take it easy, pity yourself. Pity thyself is what the, the original language says. Have some self-pity here. This isn't going to happen to you. And whether Peter realized it or not, what Satan was using him to do was to pull Jesus' mind from being spiritually minded to being carnally minded. And the reason he was doing this, it, it, Peter was in essence saying to him, Jesus, what are you talking about being killed? What are you talking about being captured? You don't deserve that. You're good. You've never done anything wrong. And he was trying to get Jesus to focus 
back on himself. And this is a trap. I said, this is a trap. To be carnally minded is to be totally and absolutely consumed with self. How do I feel about this? Do I deserve what I'm going through? I deserve more than what I have. It's pulling the attention, the awareness, and the affection back onto self. What I see, what I feel. And it's Satan. I I wish there was a, a kinder, gentler way of saying it, but this is not an overreaction. This is the right response to recognize that as a trap from the devil. Because if Satan can get Jesus focused on himself, you know, Peter, maybe you are right. You know what? And I have done a good job here. I don't deserve to go through all that. Really, there shouldn't be any need for me to have to do that. And you know this struggle is real. You know it was real for Jesus because just a few chapters from now, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he goes to the cross, what's he crying out? My God, if there's any way this cup can pass from me. You know that this thing, this this struggle is real in him, that he is literally being tempted to walk away from what is the God-given assignment and call on his life, which is to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. But he's well aware of not just the, the, the physical brutality of it, not just the physical pain of it, but the separation from God that he's gonna have to endure. And this temptation is real to walk away from that. Why do you think he came back to the disciples there asleep in the garden and said, could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? He said, watch and pray that you don't enter in to temptation. Now I used to read that for years thinking, yeah, guys, wake up, wake up. You're being tempted, what, to sleep, to doze off. But he's not talking just to them about whatever temptation they might face. He's talking about the temptation that he was facing right there in that moment, the temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is the difference here. What's he gonna set his mind on? The willingness of his spirit or the weakness of his flesh? Now, don't get mad at me because I'm telling you, Jesus had the same weak flesh that you do, but that's what made him man. And he had the same choice to make that you and I have to make every day. Where will you set your mind? If you mind the things of the spirit, it'll be life. It'll be peace. If you mind the things of the flesh, it will be death. And he had a choice to make. He had a choice to make it right there in that moment. And you can see that this, this tug of war has been going on in him now for a long time because when Peter gave voice to that and said, hey, 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 come on, man, pity thyself, Jesus. Come on, don't go through, you, that's not gonna happen to you, you're wrong. Jesus had to respond to it in the way that he did. He had to turn his back on it. He literally turned his back. What does that represent? It means I'm not hearing this. It means I'm not acknowledging this. It means I'm not feeding on this. And that's why I said, get behind me, Satan, because you're not mindful of the things of God. 
you are only mindful of the things of men. That's why he said to, he turned to the rest of the disciples. So they're all seeing this. They're all watching this go down. And he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. He said, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me read that to you from the Wiest translation of this scripture. I'll back up to verse 23. It says, and having turned around, he with his back turned to Peter and Satan said to Peter, be gone under my authority and keep on going behind me out of my sight, Satan. A stumbling block you are to me because you do not have a mind for the things of God, but for the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone is desiring to come after me, let him forget self. Let him forget self. Now hear me right now, church. This is not politically or culturally correct, but it is Christian. It is Christianity correct. Forget you. Forget self. Forget own interests. Forget the, 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 the living in this, merely in this sight and physical and natural realm. If you are going to follow Jesus, you will at some point have to forget self. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.